welcome to Cosmic Brilliance. I'm your host, Marilee Melmo, and I'm so happy that you have joined us today for part one titled, Evidence of Our Hijacked Planet from Controlled Ignorance to Liberation. Please share this show to educate your family and friends because you are about ready to be given the historical cliff notes in a digestible, concise, organized and graphically documented manner. About what? About the true history of humanity on earth this last century that has definitely impacted every single one of us. And I might add, is not been taught in public schools. Beloved Alex Collier, a previous guest of mine, sums it up when he says, Earth is boot camp for discernment. The more we learn the truth of humanity's history on Earth, the more that knowledge will help us see through controlled agendas from different groups that allows us to have less fear, become more aware, and especially more discerning, which is key. That discernment allows us to say, no, thank you to those controllers of all kinds, past and present, who take advantage of our naivete and suppress the truth of you and your history on earth. The law of compliance I've talked about in other shows, and I'm going to emphasize again now, is very important to understand. By not saying no or just going along you know, kind of passively with whatever so-called authority tells you to do is counted as you giving your soul compliance. And by galactic law, that gives the self-serving ones permission to continue to run their hidden agendas. I would like to briefly restate the U.S. Declaration of Independence just for clarity and is a great reminder of our birthrights. Quote, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that we humanity are created equal and endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights, the rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Governments are created to secure these unalienable rights and get their power from the consent of the people. When a form of government starts to destroy or sell people's rights, we the people have the right to abolish it and create a new governance by the people and for the people, end quote. So this transition from disguised control to freedom is occurring right now on planet Earth. More and more people are seeing through these self-serving agendas and choose to no longer allow themselves to be bought off, manipulated, or cajoled or bullied. It is really an exciting time. At this time in early 2022, truth disclosure researchers such as Elena Danan, Alex Collier, Michael Sala, Secret Space Program whistleblowers, myself, and today's brilliant guest, Dan Willis, have prioritized this need to know your true history. My guest today, Dan Willis, is a Renaissance man. He has been an ABC newsman, 
former U.S. Navy top secret military witness that testified along with 20 military and intelligent witnesses before the mainstream media of the world in Washington, D.C. at the National Press Club in 2001. These witnesses were backed by over 500 military intelligent witnesses disclosing illegal secret government operations and the extraterrestrial presence. These past weeks, Dan has worked diligently collaborating with our mutual goals, and I wish to publicly thank you, Dan, truly for your generosity of spirit and dedication to being such an important part of truth disclosure, bringing higher awareness in a precise and pragmatic way that everyone can understand of all ages. So welcome, Dan, and I'm thrilled you will be sharing your new production today. Merely, absolute pleasure to join you. Um, this, um, <laughs> this evolution, you know, that happened like two decades ago, back in 2001, when I joined these 20 witnesses, what they were disclosing was explosive. My testimony was minor compared to what was being disclosed to the world. 22 cameras in the back row and largest events in the history of the National Press Club. I couldn't imagine how this would not be a world-changing event with what was being disclosed. Uh, myself, as you mentioned, being an ex-ABC newsman, you know, seeing the place packed with reporters and cameras all recording this event, how could this not, uh, how could this not change everything? But it was effectively sanitized from the public's awareness. So I, uh, many years later, a, a company out of Hollywood wanted me to write an article on the control of media, which I gladly, because it's been bothering me ever since I, I testified. Yeah. And for two decades, I've been uh, researching uh, authenticated documents, all these witness testimonies, uh, you know, and as we moved in from the 20th century into the 21st century, uh, witnesses being involved in the Navy's secret space program started to come forward. And, and, you know, recently in the last year or two, we've had, uh, you know, people like Elena Danan, which, uh, who's an emissary with direct uh, communication with the Galactic Federation that's been involved with this for, as we'll see, for many years, and uh, has brought us to today's world. And, you know, things don't make sense. Unless you have the full, and when I started the researching back, you know, when I uh, started to look at the documents, look at all the witness testimonies and, and look at it in a chronological order, I started to realize that, oh my God, this is, you know, my, my part, it was a very small part. I was, uh, I had a high level top secret clearance in naval communications. The uh, Navy was reporting uh, extraterrestrial craft coming out of the oceans. This, this is way back in 1969. Now everybody knows, you know, yeah, UFOs coming out of the ocean. It's kind of a more of a daily thing, you know, these days. Uh, but not everybody, though. <laughs> not everybody. So it, it, it's it's amazing. So what we're going to be sharing is a timeline of events that covers 100 years from the year 1922 to today, 2022. 
And uh, these, each one of these uh, elements, now I'm not saying it's complete by any means, but these are the elements that happen through history that seem to be significant events or, or documents or witness testimonies that form the hidden reality that's been hidden from everybody that forms a, uh, a chronological uh, creation of, uh, of the world that you were not taught in your history school, uh, you know, or, you know, what we see in science fiction movies, you know, we think is science fiction, but believe me, the real reality is, is far more fascinating and far more uh, bizarre yeah, you get to some people than what we see we've been seen in science fiction movies since you know early 1950s so um please uh feel free to inject we're going to go through a hundred years of events and documents and witness testimonies that form this hidden history that once you understand what happened behind the scenes that isn't covered by your mainstream media, isn't covered by your education, isn't covered by Hollywood, uh, then events will start to make more sense. Yes. And a uh, couple things, folks, look at his ba his background and uh, you will oh. see. You yeah, will see Dan. That's, that's me. Right there. <laughs> yeah. He's the only one in the gray suit because he's in fashion for that season. It was May of 2001. <laughs> so I was in fashion, you know, other guys were, you know. <laughs> so that's the disclosure that you were talking about. I just wanted them to see the actual uh, picture that's there. That's the National Press Club. And I think this will be evident to you folks. Dan, you know, we understand that a lot of people are in survival and they work their buns off for their family and friends. Dan has encapsulated in one of the most beautiful ways. Other people have done history and books and, and all of Michael Salas stuff's great, but most people do not have the time. So these are literally, I was so excited to find Dan because these are literally the need to know true cliff notes so that you can put all the pieces of the puzzle together have a broader viewpoint release fear and become more discerning and then you know step forward as a sovereign being so dan has saved us thousands of hours of research so thank you dan yeah we're, we're just they were just highlighting the some highlights that happened through history. I'd like to, this event inspired uh, not only a hacker in the UK who discovered the secret space program, but also discovered my uh, good friend, Dr. Michael Sala. And because he, he saw the credibility of these witnesses are willing to testify on oath. He was a teaching professor at a university that uh, he wanted to go into the research of this and the university didn't want him to, and they fired him. And so he's been spending ever since, you know, this event happened, in-depth research, exopolitics.org is his uh, website, and it, it goes into much, much further detail than what I'm covering. So I just wanted to give him, uh, 
you know, acknowledgement that uh, his his great work that he continues to today. Absolutely. So, yes. So here we go. Keep this for you and your family as a reference. And when you have time, you know, you can go through another six slides, whatever. OK, because it's a it's a lot to absorb. It's a summary, but it's a lot to absorb. So that's how I suggest. And that's how I like to use it and go back and reference it. So go ahead. Dan. Excellent point that you brought up, uh, Marilee, because uh, it's very important that you don't you don't trust or believe anything that you see that we're about to show, but do your own due diligence and research it. And um, all of the elements that we're going to go through, um, it's not a professional site, thewebmatrix.net has references to the documents you can research, the testimonies. And uh, verify it for yourself, and go in, in depth, and uh, and see uh, and, and see the truth for yourself. That's that's what that's what clicks things over. People have to research and find out for you. You can't tell people about this stuff. You know, they they have to research it for themselves. But we hope to uh, kind of help uh, stimulate that. And this is de designed, as I said, for the entire family. Uh, young adults on up, grandparents, everyone. Dan has designed it for the main, you know, for everyone so that it is approachable and precise and digestible. So that's right. Bring the kids. <laughs> exactly. The kids are all over about this and they're, you know, this is important. Dan and I were laughing uh, right before he started because. I was really bored with history in school. I know most of the men I knew loved history and politics, but for me, there, there was very little resonation of truth. I guess it was like a soul knowingness or something. And this history, Dan and I are like, oh my God, this is so awesome and incredible. So did you feel the same way, Dan? I, I, you know, it, it was almost one, oh, my God, after another for me, you know, I, you know, my God, this is, I, I didn't like history in school at all. But this made history very, very fascinating. Okay, you ready to rock it ready. through this? Ready okay. to rock and roll. Here we go. Okay, uh, starting with 1922, uh, Maria Orsic of the Viral Society. She was uh, doing channeling of these uh, Nordic ETs that uh, were giving her the designs for a spacecraft that could warp time around it. And she was channeling this in, into ancient Sumerian script. Now, her father gave this to uh, Professor uh, Schumann at the University of Munich. And he started uh, researching this. Now, he was very advanced in these sciences and found viable physics. And they started working on making uh, this uh, flying saucer, you could say. Well, 1934, the, uh, the Third Reich SS had uh, developed anti-gravity craft 20 years ahead of the United States with the assistance of a, a reptilian race that gave them bases down in Antarctica called the Draco. Um, Elena Dinan uh, made a comment that the creation of the Dark Fleet after the end of World War II, when a breakaway branch of the uh, 
of the uh, Third Reich moved to Antarctica as they allied with the reptilian extraterrestrials who's offered to share underground facilities with them there. Okay, the Rockefeller Foundation was working in concert with the Third Reich and they were doing a psychological study. They actually, they paid for this study in which uh, it was a fake alien invasion. Everybody knows about Orson Welles and the War of the Worlds and it, it sounded so real that uh, 1.7 million people believed the broadcast to be actual and 1.2 million were frightened enough to take action by running away or preparing to fight the alien invaders. They, uh, they did a study afterward in the psychology of panic. Now, the, uh, <laughs> the Third Reich was very much into psychological warfare and understanding how to use fear and panic in order to manipulate the populace. In 1939, the, uh, the Third Reich had developed these uh, facilities which were building these anti-gravity craft and a single US Navy spy found out about them. He broke the chain of command, which is something you don't do in the military and went directly to the, the uh, secretary of the Navy, James Forrestal. James Forrestal, with this information, he started a Navy secret a uh, spy program in Germany where they embedded uh, uh, U.S. Navy operatives in that were getting information on what the, uh, what the Germans were doing with this advanced technology. Uh, there's documents backing up all of this. In 1942, it was called the Battle of L.A., um, you know, it's like huge amount of anti-aircraft guns were going out all over the place. It was going all the way from uh, Santa Monica to Long Beach um, to, uh, according to the documents, two ET drone craft were shot down. The Army Air Force, before it turned into the Air Force, took one of them and took it to Wright-Patterson. And the Navy took the other one, took it to China Lake. Both of them are used for reverse engineering. Now, since the Third Reich had anti-gravity craft, they started building a uh, moon base in August of 1942 on the moon. Now, this is an important part of history. Uh, that is not known. Uh, it's not the uh, Germans called it Welkenschauenskrieg. It's a German translation into worldview warfare. What they plan to do is infiltrate before the end before uh, the end of World War II. They plan to infiltrate in the United States and create what's called a, a matrix of perception. In other words, they wanted to control um, our media. They wanted to control education. They wanted to control Hollywood. In other words, all aspects, full spectrum dominance, they called it, of all of our perceptions in order to hide uh, their operations. And just before the end of the war, 1944, escaped to Antarctica and South America, over 100 U-boats were missing 
250,000 Germans were also unaccounted for, as well as the Reich's top scientists uh, that did not come over in Project Paperclip. Now, people were unaware of this until the JFK files were released in the year 2017, which showed that, you know, Adolf Hitler did not die in a bunker. He was alive and well in Argentina, and Heinrich Himmler did not do the cyanide cap, and they both successfully escaped. Documents showing that. 1945, Al Alan Dulles, who's infamous for this infiltration, he cuts a deal with the head of intelligence for uh, you know, the Third Reich, uh, which is General Reinhard Gellin. Now, what, uh, what happened was the Truman administration was very afraid of the Soviets. And the only intelligence agency that had uh, all the information on the, uh, on the Soviets was the, uh, you know, the uh, Third Reich's intelligence group. The, which had them hidden away in the Bavarian mountains and microfishes, which they used in a trading, uh, sort of a, uh, a trading chip on the table to bring in 3,000 uh, German spies into the OSS and CIA. 1945, May 8th, victory, ticker tape parades. We won the war. We're with uh, with Germany, but the um, SS completely su successfully escaped. Uh, 1945, June, uh, United Nations is formed, drafted by Roosevelt and Churchill, both the 33rd degree Freemasons, which secret societies played quite a role in all this. 1946, the Center for Disease Control and Prevention is formed, and the U.S. military hires 1,600 former uh, Third Reich scientists and doctors at this time. Uh, a well-documented U.S. Navy witness, William Tompkins, started, stated that the uh, scientists that came over in paperclip took over the aerospace and biomedical operations within the U.S. One of the first uh, biomedical takeovers was Scripps Research. Eventually, the highest positions within the U.S. pharmaceutical industry are in their control today. And a lot of people are familiar with Operation Paperclip, where many of these um, <laughs> former, you know, they were basically... Uh, uh, given completely new paperwork, they had um, they were listed as being a threat to the national security of the United States. They were ardent, and that uh, they, they were given completely new paperwork, and they were put in high positions in the aerospace industry, biomedical, etc. Um, can you go back there for a sec? I just uh -huh. I just want I'm pretty sure that the guy in the front on our right with his left hand in his pocket. Isn't that Werner von Braun? That is Werner von Braun. Yeah. And do <laughs> and you want to tell people who he is? Well, he was the, uh, you know, the Third Reich's top uh, scientist uh, for, for, for rocketry. Uh, his mentor was Professor Hermann Oberth, the one who said we had help from 
people from other worlds. Uh, now, this is an important one for all of us who went to school and learned history. Uh, the Rockefeller Foundation actually comes in completely rewrote. You think that would be illegal uh, to hide the escape and infiltration by the by the Rockefeller Foundation. The the books completely, uh, of course, omitted that. And so, by controlling the education, they're able to have generational indoctrination to hide this these facts. There's an old quote, and truthfully, I'm not sure exactly the quote, but it, uh, I think it is often referred to uh, as a Rockefeller quote, and it's something similar to this. I don't have, we, we are, I don't have to own the world. I need to control the six elements of society. That's all we need to do. And that, of course, is education, like you're saying, religion. Uh, entertainment, sports, economics, banking, finances, and uh, let's see what are what are a couple of other ones. Um, the movie industry. The movie industry and media. Yeah. Yeah, with the mainstream media being key. <laughs> yes, exactly. So that's that pretty much is kind of what that slide is <laughs> implying a little bit. Go ahead, Dan. Here's a major event uh, that uh, <laughs> James Forrestal sent Admiral Byrd down with a complete huge military armada. And he even admitted uh, to the press that his nature of his uh, mission is military. It was called Operation High Jump. What happened in Op Operation High Jump? We went down to attack the uh, base down in New Schwabenland. Out of the oceans came flying saucers with directed energy weapons that completely wiped out his entire, uh, all the aircraft that he had. They went limping home and everything was sworn to secrecy. This was a major event showing that uh, the, uh, the Third Reich had... Uh, advanced technology that was far superior to uh, what the United States have. And this is key in the future of how they were able to intimidate uh, both the Truman and Eisenhower administrations into a surrender. Moving onward. And, and that was also partially due to the cooperation of the Dracos, also known as Sea Cars. Oh, yeah, they were, yeah, it worked closely with the, uh, with the Draco. Um, June 16th, uh, this is all documented in uh, Operation Paperclip. Uh, they brought over the mastermind of Hitler who created the Autobahn and all the deep underground uh, military bases in occupied uh, Germany, uh, Xavier Dorsch. They started uh, right here in the Monsanto Mountains of New Mexico and and they started tunneling these deep underground military bases. As you can see, there's, there's quite a network all over the place in Dulce and, and so forth. Um, they use these, uh, it melts the, melts the rock, makes it like a glassy finish. Um, uh, people have no idea what's going on under here. Mm -hmm. And this, this was part of an agreement with... Um, 
with the extraterrestrials that they were alliance with. Um, everyone's familiar, most people, <laughs> about the Roswell crash. Um, Elena Danan uh, mentioned that the Roswell crash was a Trojan horse from the Nibu, the Nibu being this, uh, these greys from the Orion uh, uh, constellation, uh, to prepare for an invasion. And of course, the cover story was uh, issued that it was, you know, as we know, a weather balloon. Uh, you know, right after this event, this is in July 1947, right afterward, uh, President Truman initiates the National Security Act, which is instrumental in everything that follows. Um, shortly after that, uh, the Air Force and the CIA are both created, which uh, Alan Dulles was pushing President Truman to do, which he was highly reluctant to turn the wartime OSS, the Office of Special Services, which was the uh, precursor to the CIA, into a permanent uh, uh, part of the, uh, in, in the intelligence in the United States. So both of these uh, uh, groups were created at the same time. And on the same day, <laughs> a lot of things triggered during this time. Uh, President Truman has James Forrestal create the group made up of uh, military uh, and scientists that uh, were overseeing the extraterrestrial issue. So these were the, these were the main consultant that was headed by Admiral Roscoe Hillencotter. who, by the way, said, I urge immediate congressional action to reduce the dangers from secrecy about unidentified flying objects. Notice it wasn't about the dangers of unidentified, unidentified flying objects. It was about the dangers from the secrecy that was surrounding it. 1948, uh, over 100,000 television sets are now in homes as a primary communication tool for psychological warfare. This was 1948. Um, and 1948, the World Health Organization is formed under the United Nations. In May of 1948, Project RAND then turns into the RAND corporations, now run by the Air Force, forcing the Navy secretly to do its own ET reverse engineering operations completely separately. Now, how this happened was uh, Air Force General Henry Arnold brought in millions of dollars into the RAND Corporation and felt that the Navy should deal with things that are out in the ocean. And since these UFOs and things are flying out in, in, in the sky and space, that the Air Force should dominate. And so this is the start of how the Air Force and these operations that eventually tied in with the, uh, uh, the Draco Reptilians and the Orion Group operated completely separate from the Navy that was doing its own program in complete secrecy. Remember with the Battle of LA, where they had two craft, the Navy took one and the Air Force took the other. Those were drones, right? You're right. Those were extraterrestrial drones, according to um, William Tompkins. 
Mm-hmm. May 22, I was one month old, <laughs> 1949. James Forrestal, who wanted to alert the public to the threat, is murdered. They threw him out of the 17th story of the, uh, of the hospital, which, uh, you know, President Truman put him in there. Uh, he was talking about the base in Antarctica. He was, you know, talking. He wanted public disclosure. And in an authenticated majestic annual report, the document stated, quote, the untimely death of Secretary Forrestal was deemed necessary and regrettable, unquote. 1949, approval for a black budget to operate completely outside of the law. This is what Truman was afraid of. He was afraid that they don't have to account to anybody. 1950, Alan Dulles, again, starts the uh, operation called Operation Mockingbird, which takes full control of the mainstream news outlets to control the public's perception. They start out with about 400 journalists in which the operation provides the information for the journalists to release to the public, and they're paid and so this, this is the start of the uh, part of the Velkin Schallenskrieg, you know, the worldview warfare with Operation Mockingbird, along with the education that started in 1946. Now, when people go to the grocery store, everybody has to go to the grocery store, you know, and what better way to put... If you want to have people just think the extraterrestrial issue is just nothing but uh, poppycock, you know, just, as they said, uh, that is just, you know, garbage. It's, it's like nonsense. They had the owner of the Weekly World News trained at the Psychological Warfare School. And you can see, you know, Hillary adopts an alien baby. Um, <laughs> gay aliens found in ufo wreck you know these all these all these silly silly things that everybody sees as they're checking out their groceries and just thinking oh these people with ufos aliens that there's nothing to this this is all crazy people and so you know it effectively works and then we have hollywood you know 1951 they started with the day there stood still and then War of the Worlds and Invaders from Mars, Earth versus the Flying Saucers, and one of my favorite movies, uh, Forbidden Planet. I mean, they were putting a lot, they were in, installing a lot of very advanced concepts uh, into the public's mind way back then. It was called Project Dove. It uh, influences the uh, Hollywood movie industry and forms their imagination. A lot of it is fear based perceptions of extraterrestrials. And Dan, what's important to insert here is, um, you know, the, the controllers always use fear, always use fear. And from all the insiders I've talked to, out of the literally thousands of extraterrestrials that ha- are out there that they have dealt with and have treaties of and everything, they say only 10% in our entire universe is self-serving. You know, and only such an important, such an important point. Yeah. So, and and uh, I think Randy in our last show 
said it was almost 4% or known psychopaths, malignant narcissists, that kind of thing. But he said, so that's a very small percentage. And I'm just saying this so that people who are learning this for the first time don't go, oh my God, you know, because that's what they want you to do. They want you to freak out. Um, so I just wanted to add that. that. It's kind of like a macro microcosmic reflection in that uh, about we have about 4% that are total psychopaths on this planet that are you know, doing, doing what they're doing right. and, uh, you know, controlling at the top of the pyramid of corporation right. and so forth. So, all right, back we go into a hundred years. Okay. This is something I had 10 years of experience with after the, uh, Bush administration denied the congressional hearing to bring forth the scientists, which had zero point energy. So we don't need nuclear oil and coal anymore. Uh, the Invention Secrecy Act of 1951 was actually enacted on February 1st in 1952. Uh, thousands, we have over 6,000 advances in uh, anti-gravity, free energy. The inventor, if they live, so a lot of them are get suicided. It says, your invention has been deemed to be a detriment to the national security of the United States, right? Like oil. <laughs> um, therefore, you cannot share it with anyone. Um, and uh, it's part of a secret system within the patent office called the Sensitive Application Warning System. Anybody's got, as you can see on the list here of things that set up a red flag to automatically issue these national security orders, such as an anti-gravity device and free energy. And I've seen free energy devices work. Um, and 10 years of a horror story, but I won't go into all that. Um, now, working right along with the Vatican um, on all this, there was a uh, annual report where they're discussing the containment for the Catholic Church if, if mass sightings occur. This is a direct quote out of that document that's been authenticated. At the request of the panel member, Cardinal Francis Spellman, that's this fellow, uh, met with the president to discuss containment with the Catholic Church and its hierarchy of a religious speculation if mass sightings occur. Such containment was successful during 1947 sightings wherein Cardinal Spellman met with the Secretary of War on the 29th of June. The president has been briefed on Defense Plan 4P, which was written in part by the panel member. So the group was working hand-in-hand hand with the uh, Vatican in order to keep this in a state of, of secrecy because they did not want the public to know about this extraterrestrial presence. But <laughs> in, uh, in July of 1952, as you can see, they were uh, flying over the Capitol building. And you can see about nine of them here going information now this totally uh <laughs> they had uh, general stanford come out and try to discredit this thing saying you know something about uh weather inversion or something like that but it's pretty clearly that they were flying in formation as a as a show of force uh to intimidate both the truman and eisenhower administration these were uh third reich saucers that came from antarctica um and 
right after that, the agency is is created. Uh, they start up just, you say certain keywords, kind of like what we have to do today. I have to be careful what words I say, you know, uh, do the censorship algorithms. Uh, and now they have uh, yottabytes of information with quantum computers. And uh, President Eisenhower, just before he takes office, he uh, receives a briefing. And what they had to do is they replaced uh, James Forrestal, who was one of the key members, with General Walter B. Smith. Now, General Walter B. Smith sends a memo to utilize the UFOs for psychological warfare. Here he says, I suggest that we discuss at an early board meeting the possible offensive or defensive utilization of these phenomena for psychological warfare purposes. Now, watch what happens. 1952, right? What happens right later in 1952? Space brothers from Venus show up that come up and in craft that look identical to the uh, Hanabutu of the Third Reich with George Adamski in California. Then we have President Eisenhower. This, 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 this man uh, had probably one of the most tumultuous uh, presidencies dealing with the extraterrestrial issue. My dear friend, uh, Laura Eisenhower, uh, gotten a lot more clarity of his role uh, and how he, he wanted disclosure, but he was circumvented. This little panel, you can see um, Einstein here in the middle of these minds that uh, this Robinson panel denies the reality of the UFO ET reality to the public. And so this is more of the effort to get this out of people's minds that there's nothing to this. Uh, and then of all people, Alan Dulles is assigned for the longest sitting. He served two terms. Um, eight years as a director of central intelligence. And he also starts uh, the mind control projects, which a lot of people are familiar with. Uh, a major event happens, uh, 1954, February 20th. President Eisenhower has a first contact meeting with the Benevolent Galactic Federation of Worlds. These extraterrestrials who um, look kind of like us, but they're better looking than us. Uh, they uh, offered solutions to the world. Uh, they wanted to, us to relinquish our nuclear weapons, and uh, they would uh, help us evolve spiritually on this planet. Uh, what they did was they bring, brought in a lot of witnesses to this event. They brought in scientists, clergymen, clergymen uh, metaphysicians uh, across the board, uh, one of the witnesses, for example, was uh, witness Car Cardinal Francis McIntyre. Everybody was sworn to absolute secrecy, but he immediately broke a secrecy oath, flew to Rome, and reported all of this to the Pope, who immediately set up a, uh, a, uh, a, a secret uh, intelligence agency for the Vatican regarding all this. And... Uh, shortly after Eisenhower's planned disclosure never happened, uh, one of the other witnesses, Gerald Light, we actually have a document that he wrote a letter to uh, Mead Lane. And in the letter, in part, he says, it is my conviction that he, President Eisenhower, will 
ignore the terrific conflict between the various authorities and go directly to the people via radio and television. If the impasse continues much longer, from what I could gather, an official statement to the country is being prepared for delivery about the middle of May. So President Eisenhower wanted to accept what the Galactic Federations of the World were offering. But Alan Dulles circumvented Eisenhower's plan for public disclosure in May of 1954. And instead, they signed a treaty with the group that uh, they were warning about, the uh, NIBU, the Orion Group. Elena uh, Denan said the first official contact with the Galactic Federation and Eisenhower to warn against the coming of the NIBU. The NIBU are the, the gray extraterrestrials, the you know, popularized that are from, from Orion. Now, myself being, uh, <laughs> being in the military uh, or even civilian pilots, they, as part of the Espionage Act, the JANAP 146, uh, anybody who reports extraterrestrial craft or any kind of unusual flying things, they uh, are under penalty because of this uh, because of this rule that was set up in uh, March of 1954. So this is all part of keeping it hush, hush, under the wraps, the threatening military or civilian pilots to disclosing anything about what's going on. So this is all part of keeping it quiet. And But in the meantime, what do they do? They write a manual on, uh, let's see, how do we, uh, extraterrestrial entities, Technology, recovery, and disposal. And it gives you a detailed, uh, uh, Robert Dean actually read this uh, and uh, went into detail uh, when he was uh, with a cosmic clearance working with NATO. Okay. Instead of disclosure in 1954, which Eisenhower was planning, uh, instead, the SS start the, uh, there's a, Prince Bernhard of the Netherlands, you can see his little outfit there, uh, <laughs> starts this yearly uh, ongoing to today. <laughs> here's, a, here's a meeting in 2016, uh, Bilderberg meetings, which coordinates the agenda for the mainstream media today. Now, the Bilderberg meetings, along with the Council of Foreign Relations and the Trilateral Commission, uh, control the centralized talking points that work for the agenda that the narrative that that moves forward on the agenda and you can see right in the middle with the most connections the new york times washington post cnn um you know all there's fox all of them and you can see all the people and that's uh <laughs> That's how they uh, do the Velcan Challenge Krieg. Okay, here's the uh, unfortunate thing that happened. Uh, on July 18th, the uh, diplomatic treaty was signed for a technology transfer, transfer program with the Orion Nebu, the Zeta Reticuli Grays at Kirkland Air Force Base. Um, Elena Denan says that the, uh, quote, the official contact with the Nebu Empire but as well with the Draco reptilian empire, the Sakars, allied with the Antarctic Fourth Reich, now it went from the Third Reich to the Fourth Reich, 
the uh, industrial military complex signed agreements with both without avail from uh, President Eisenhower. So uh, they went behind Eisenhower's back on this. And there's documents that uh, substantiate this. Now, keeping Eisenhower out of the loop so he can't uh, influence or move forward in any way, uh, Nelson Rockefeller, he restructures operations, which leaves President Eisenhower without any jurisdiction or access. And what they do, remember we, they moved that craft back in the Battle of A up to uh, Wright-Patterson. Well, they, that was more of a, it's still within the military's control, Wright-Patterson Air Force Base. So they wanted to move it out of that control. They moved all their operations over to Area 51, which is Groom Lake, and Papoose Lake, which is Area S4, where they have, this is where they do all the extraterrestrial reverse engineering operations. Um, you can be shot if you uh, enter into these, these areas. Um, October 1954, um, United States developed anti-gravity craft that could go faster than the speed of light. These, uh, my fellow witness friend who joined me, who was, uh, I believe, murdered. They said it was a suicide, it was a shotgun blast, uh, who was going to testify at the Senate hearing in uh, June 2001 even though they stated that uh, we don't have the technology that can perform this way. They had this back in the 1950s. Here he's doing an illustration showing top brass, looking at these three different sizes of these alien reproduction vehicles. I sat down with him in, at the Hilton at the bar and he went over all the details. He knew I had a good technical background, talked about how the Tesla configuration with a mercury vapor tube in the middle create a mass canceling effect that uh, allowed these craft to perform the way they do. And here's, a, here's an actual military photo of one that's very, very close in uh, configuration to what he drew that uh, was taken by a military pilot uh, near Utah. Now, keep in mind, we're 20 years behind what the uh, Third Reich had accomplished back in 1934. This is 1954, 20 years later. Okay, this is a key event. Uh, February 11th, 1955 at Holloman Air Force Base, President Eisenhower had to sign a, uh, an agreement surrender with the, the Third Reich and the, and the Draco Alliance. Um, There's several witnesses to this event. They came in on, a, on one of the uh, Antarctic craft and President Eisenhower boarded. And since that time, since he lost control, uh, our government has been completely out of the loop, as we'll see in the near future. And uh, they do away with the original group that Truman initially set up and put all new players involved in this uh, with, of all people, Alan Dulles and the uh, father of the hydrogen bomb, who was kind of bummed because he didn't get a he got the exercises, uh, his bombs. Um, so a whole new committee was set up. 1955, Walt Disney 
uh, with Werner von Braun, used television to uh, kind of sell the public that the use of rocket propulsion is what we need to overcome gravity. We plan to go to the moon and Mars and rockets, sir. But he knew, he knew darn well that the Third Reich had discovered the torsion physics of mercury plasma and how to overcome gravity without the primitive use of rocket propulsion. But this is purposely done in order to, uh, in order to keep the United States technologically hijacked. Uh, now, after, after the defeat of uh, Admiral Byrd in Operation High Jump, and after the surrender agreement just prior in 1955, what happens? Operation Deep Freeze, transferring supplies and personnel down to Antarctica. Now, why would you do that? because agreements were made with the corporations. Um, now, interesting, I guess some of the Third Reich saucers were deciding to take a cruise. One of them uh, landed in Oahu, and uh, Willard Wanall has contact in Hawaii with the Third Reich craft. Uh, he noted the swastika and Iron Cross on both the UFO and the uniform of the occupant. The saucer pilot spoke with a German accent and had a uh, Third Reich uniform. Now, this is an interesting aspect because the SS was fully involved with the occult, as, as we know, and the secret societies. And the secret societies on the higher levels, they understand the powers of the creative mind and the hive mind and the collective reality that affects reality. And part of the Velkenschallenskrieg, uh, Professor Heinz Eisnick, who was a, a professor at the University of, of London, I believe, he uh, said that in a letter, there was a global effort. There was like hundreds of universities and educational institutes to silence the truth about what we knew about the, quote, the powers of human consciousness to affect reality. And so this is a, this is a, why would you do that? Why would you re remove that from all this, all the universities and things from the research that they were doing about the powers of human consciousness? Okay, here's a couple of interesting events. We'll just go to hit these Briefly, astronaut Gordon Cooper, he filmed the UFO at uh, Edwards Air Force Base. Uh, he stated, quote, they told one untruth. They had to tell another one to cover that one, another one to cover that one. It just snowballed. And right now he's convinced that there's a lot of embarrassed government officials that are sitting there in Washington trying to figure out a way to bring it out. They know it has to come out one day, but I'm sure it will. America has a right to know, unquote, astronaut Gordon Cooper. And then uh, Colonel Philip Corso, who wrote the book The Day After Roswell, how they took this technology and made fiber optics and clevelar and, uh, you know, transistors, integrated circuits, everything that we have today from these uh, reverse engineering operations. A uh, ET craft came down and the radar was affecting the craft. And apparently... Uh, when he went out there on a jeep out to the uh, White Sands proving lane, 
the uh, uh, Corso said, well, if I help you to the ET thing, what's in it for me? What do I get out of this? And the little ET replied, a new world, if you can take it. Interesting reply. Now, here is something uh, Elena Denan knows firsthand of uh, back in March 16th, 1957, uh, flying in from Venus, landing in Virginia, uh, met with uh, President Eisenhower, uh, this being named Val Thor. And here in this photograph, you can see Val Thor, and here's his brother, and now his, this is his, Val Thor's uh, wife now, her name's Jillian. Um, Val Thor is an incredible offer. He stayed at the Pentagon, I think, three years. Correct me if I'm wrong, uh, uh, Marilee. Val Thor's incredible offer to help Earth was refused because these positive solutions would jeopardize Earth's corporations, such as the pharmaceutical and energy industry. We're going to have extended life, a free energy, you know, you name it, across the board, everything would be transformed. Elena Denan says, Valthor, as an ambassador for the Galactic Federation, comes to set up a program of collaboration with the Navy, as what, what she knows, which eventually uh, later started the Solar Warden program, uh, that will come out of it. The purpose was to help humans on Earth fight back the Nibu and the Sakars. The Nibu is the Orion group, and the Sakars are the reptilian um, Draco. The <laughs> Third Reich still flying around in their machines. Uh, Reinhold Smith contacts one in Nebraska, and uh, he happens to be of uh, German descent and spoke German well. He could hear them talking among themselves in what he says, quote, high German language. And he mentions very good high German. <laughs> so, and uh, I don't have much, you have more on this, Marilee, than I think I do on Commander Denethor yeah. uh, on the Galactic Federation of Worlds. He's helping the U.S. Navy build their fleet of spacecraft. This is an illustration by Elena Denan showing a uh, one of the uh, mantis type of uh, beings, uh, Commander Thor in charge of the Defense Technology Department of the Galactic Federation of Worlds, assisted the US Navy in building their fleet of spacecraft. And here you can see him. Sitting right behind him is uh, Oscar Snyder, which is, happens to be Phil Snyder's um, father, who was a U-boat captain. It was in charge of the USS Eldridge's medical, uh, which was used in the Philadelphia experiment. And his son, Phil Snyder, was involved as a, as a, as a geological engineer building the deep underground military bases. And there's a cute story to this. And the reason why we included the illustration from Elena, which is wonderful, uh, Besides Denethor, which you can see the actual photo is like a perfect match. That's incredible. There's so many collab collaborating yes. elements with Elena Denan that give her credibility. And a little side note, folks, you notice that a lot of these Palladian or Palladian hybrids, their names have Thor to them. Thor hand, uh, Denethor. And so this will give you a clue who the real Thor 
who I believe was a demigod hybrid, uh, comes from, which is more or less a Palladian lineage, lineage. So many of these things about myths, you will find out as you research, have some truth in them. But the cute story is Denethor uh, being the head of the um, weapons department, the Galactic Federation of Worlds, and was, was here, as uh, Dan said, uh, he rescued this mantid named Misha, who is a, a eight-foot-tall green species. And um, if you know anything about mantids or mantis, they don't have the same moral ethics or perspectives that humans do. So the thing they crave and love is information, acquiring information and data and learning that way. And Elena in her, in her books, which I highly recommend for those of you that uh, have not bought them, Elena Denon, uh, her books, she has over 180 drawings like this, but um, she also had the privilege of meeting both of these uh, beings in person. And Elena's not one to be easily overwhelmed. And she said being in front of the mantid with the mantid staring at her was completely overwhelming. And uh, Denethor had to telepathize with the mantis, please go back, because the mantis it will not leave Denethor alone. Misha is like, once she was rescued, she works in the science department with him and is a huge help, I imagine. But there's a joke going around that, okay, you know, these guys are pretty inseparable. And, um, but the biggest thing she noticed about the mantids was that, and learned later from Denethor, is that this mantis species literally operates in three dimensions simultaneously. And so when it's looking at you and communicating, she said it was very, these are my words, destabilizing and almost overwhelming. So that's why Danathor said, you know, go back to your station while I finish my talk. <laughs> so anyway, that's kind of the cute story, but I'm really excited that we actually found proof of Denethor existing. That's, that's incredible. Right that's incredible. Yeah. It's, it looks identical to, uh, to the illustration that... Uh, you see his face just happens to be uh, looking in the in a similar direction to see the profile of this uh, blonde gentleman. And you can see how big and tall he is and look at the length of his fingers. So, you know, this is like pretty close to what a Thor would look like. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people would freak, you know, with, with this. But, you know, hey, we have to learn to be more inclusive. Yes, we do. <laughs> you know, we're... You know, yes, we mostly do. psychological warfare that we're in, you know, pitting us against different our, our different races that we have on this planet. But actually, uh, we, we've only just scratched the surface of being inclusive. Exactly. Go ahead, Dan. I just wanted to mention that. All right. Here's uh, in 1958, since Eisenhower was being denied access uh, he wanted to see what the heck was going on in Area 51 and S4. Uh, and, and they told him, uh, sorry, sir, you do not have jurisdiction anymore. And he said, well, uh, if you don't allow me, I'm paraphrasing, you don't allow uh, the, come in there, uh, I'm coming in with the first army out of Colorado. We're going to rip this thing apart. I don't care what kind of secret program you have. 
we're going, we're going to tear this thing apart, you know? And so they allowed two agents and this, this gentleman on his deathbed, uh, Richard Dolan was interviewing him. And he basically uh, gave a testimony that when these two agents went over there, they saw extraterrestrials over at S4. There was a number of craft. I think there were like nine of them. Some were, some were German. Some were um, Zeta Reticuli, uh, different types of craft for the S4 facility, uh, which, uh, you know, Robert Lazar came public later talking about. So, um, so he got to get a report but that was about it. And most likely, this date is, is estimated. I try to get everything right to the exact date and try to get the documents lined up. Uh, President Eisenhower, and this is according to uh, witness testimonies that are in the U.S. Marine Corps Special Section. Uh, President Eisenhower sets up a secret executive order for a U.S. Marine Corps Special Section Military Intelligence Unit to act as an institutional safeguard. Now, you've interviewed um, uh, Randy Kramer, Captain Randy Kramer. There is more than one witness that uh, testified to this effect. Um, uh, DARPA is created. DARPA, by the way, is created. What we're using right now is the internet. Uh, they started in 1969, and DARPA, you know, does a lot of uh, interesting projects. Uh, <laughs> anyway, um, okay, and the uh, Third Reich completely took over control. They have uh, here's Dr. DeBus in uh, in charge of uh, NASA keeping us believing we need primitive rocket propulsion. The NASA was started on July 29th, 1958. Um, now, we have a firsthand witness here on General, uh, I mean, on uh, President Eisenhower's staff, Gen Brigadier General Stephen Lovekin, who um, talked about how Eisenhower lost control to see the Third Reich infiltrated the corporations of the military industrial complex. And here's a, here's a brief section of that testimony. But, but what happened was Eisenhower got sold out. I think that he realized that all of a sudden this, this, this matter is, is going into uh, into the control of corporations. He uh, realized that he was losing control. He realized that this, this the phenomenon of, of, uh, of whatever it was that, uh, that we were faced with uh, was not going to be in the best hands. And that, that, those were the, as far as I can remember, that was the expression that was used. It's not going to be in the best hands. And so it has turned out to be. And so it has turned out to be. Uh, General Lovkin was one, he's passed away since then, but he was one of the 500 witnesses that were backing uh, the 20 witnesses. Um, okay, now, why would you be uh, doing a big study on establishing a, a lunar military outpost uh, called Project Horizon if we, uh, 10 years in the future, we'd be going to the moon, obviously, in 1954, they had anti-gravity craft, so they were already planning on having a military outpost, but those plans uh, will not turn out, as you can see in the future as we move forward. Um, 
Here's Werner von Braun with his mentor, the father of modern rocketry, Professor Hermann Oberth, both brought over in a paperclip. Um, they asked him, and he just said straight out, <laughs> how, did, how did the Third Reich have such extreme advancements? And he basically said right out front, you know, we had help from the people of other worlds. Yep. Uh, now, the uh, Third Reich was down, now the, uh, the Dracos given them big, you know, under two mile ice shelf, they have this, uh, the Third Reich secret space program, where they were building their fleet. Um, and an Antarctic Treaty that was signed in uh, 1959 is in complete violate the not the uh, third Reich was in complete violation of utilizing slave labor underground, which is what they were doing. They brought over these huge submarines, but brought over a huge amount of slaves with them. And so the ideology of the third Reich was, of course, you know, use slave labor. Uh, it works great for the corporate bottom line. Now, um, as we know previously that uh, Hitler and Heinrich Himmler both successfully escaped and that Hitler was in Argentina in 1960, in February 28th, when President Eisenhower flies down there under the cover of uh, about environmental issues, right? Uh, meeting in Bariloche, Argentina. Uh, which is a known hideout of uh, Adolf Hitler, who is alive at this time. Yeah, beautiful, beautiful area down there. And the uh, Argentine people, as you can see, they were very, very pro-Hitler. Uh, pro now, everybody's familiar with uh, the last day that President Eisenhower, when he left office, he... Uh, attempted to warn the American people in kind of a cryptic way, talking about the misplaced powers and the unwarranted influences, and that only an alert and knowledgeable citizenry could protect our, our liberties and futures in the, in the future. In the councils of government, we must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought, by the military-industrial complex. The potential for the disastrous rise of misplaced power exists and will persist. We must never let the weight of this combination endanger our liberties or democratic processes. We should take nothing for granted. Only an alert and knowledgeable citizenry can compel the proper meshing of the huge industrial and military machinery of defense with our peaceful methods and goals. Now, only an alert and knowledgeable citizenry, and this is why we're doing this show, because yes. uh, the glitches in the matrix that was formed uh, without the knowledge of knowing this hidden history, uh, the, the world cannot be transform transformed. Uh, from what uh, President Eisenhower was was attempting to, you know, he couldn't he couldn't say what really happened, uh, and so this was his kind of cryptic warning to the uh, 
to the public on his last day. And as they brought Kennedy in, he had a private meeting over the situation, which, you know, gave Kennedy quite a download. Now, Kennedy was already, with his background in the Office of Naval Intelligence, already familiar with a lot of this. So, um, you know, Eisenhower brought him up to speed. Now, this is an interesting, you know, as a, as, a, yeah. as a kid in the 60s, I loved Star Trek, and as probably a lot of you know, people do. What was all that about? You know, all of a sudden you have this incredible series. The Galactic Federation was working with the, with the Navy, with the Office of Naval Intelligence. And they gave, uh, it was, uh, you know, the creator of the Outer Limits, which was Leslie Stevens uh, Jr., you could say, uh, who was in, had a background in the Office of Naval Intelligence. His father was Leslie Stevens Sr., who was a contemporary with uh, Admiral Rico Boda, who was involved with the 29 Navy spies that were receiving intel that were embedded into the uh, Third Reich secret space program that William Tompkins was disseminating to uh, corporations and universities to try to catch up on what they were doing. Anyway, uh, Gene Roddenberry was on the uh, set with Leslie Stevens, and they gave him the script that led to the creation of Star Trek. And this, so this was a col collaboration with uh, the Galactic Federations of Worlds working with the U.S. Navy in order to seed this into the collective mind of the, of the, uh, of the people of Earth in order to feed a positive timeline, you know, where they have things like the prime directive and warp drives and teleportation and all these concepts that uh, were, you know, previously foreign or alien, you could say. From this point forward, since Eisenhower was, was denied access with the surrender agreement, every future president, heads of intelligence, it doesn't matter who you are. If you're not on what, what's called a bigot list, which is only a very select few, are now you're being illegally denied access. Our legal constitutional government is being denied access. And it starts out with, in 1963, the document showing that 10 days after sending this top secret memo to the CIA requesting Alan Dulles to release the UFO files, an assassination directive uh, written by Alan Dulles is carried out on the president. And there's documents that back this up. 1969, July 20th, when NASA sent Apollo 11 to the moon. Supposedly, this was the first time humans have ever set foot on the moon. Something happened in which the astronauts were all sworn to secrecy to never reveal to the public. The live television broadcast from the moon was interrupted for a whole two minutes due to a supposed overheated camera. But the transmission from the moon was able to be directly received and bypassed NASA's control by a number of ham radio operators back here on Earth, where they heard directly Neil Armstrong say, quote, These babies are huge, sir. Enormous. Oh, God, you wouldn't believe it. I'm telling you, there are other spacecraft out there lined up on the far side of the crater edge. They're on the moon watching us, unquote. The personnel at TRW were also receiving this live video feed. 
William Tompkins, who's working at TRW, witnessed the uncensored live video feed along with other TRW and NASA personnel. He drew a picture of what he witnessed on the television display of a live video feed from the moon. Tompkins says an alien voice was clearly heard over the Apollo 11 radio transmission. Quote, finish a total of six of your Apollo missions, take your photos, pick up some rocks, go home, and don't come back, unquote. This threatening action by one or more extraterrestrial groups effectively put an end to the Apollo program. It was described by Tompkins in this way, quote, the no trespassing sign went up. With the program over, everybody went home, and nearly all 400,000 NASA and contractor employees got the pink slip, unquote. Here you can see the size of the lunar module compared to the alien craft. President Jimmy Carter, he actually had a UFO uh, experience and he actually reported it. And he made it his campaign promise that if he was elected, that he would release the UFO files. Now, one of the 20 witnesses was attorney Daniel Sheehan, who had firsthand knowledge that a sitting president is being denied access by the then director, George H.W. Bush. So the president didn't have high enough security clearance. And then President Clinton, the senior White House correspondent, Sarah McLennan, who, by the way, sponsored the 2001 National Press Club event that I participated in, was quoted uh, by, by Clinton in response to, you know, what are you doing about the UFO disclosure? And he said, quote, Sarah, there's a secret government inside the government, and I don't control it, unquote. Now you can see the ongoing frustration of uh, unable to access, and Clinton was really interested in finding out about the UFO issue. And he had a director, James Woolsey, to look into it. He figured the director could find out. Uh, the director was denied access as well. Um, he exhausted his intelligence and military channels and, and basically went to a uh, civilian who was the director for the Center for the Study of Extraterrestrial Intelligence, Dr. Stephen Greer. He brought him into a three-hour three private meeting. And the director, after you know, looking at a, a stack of documents that uh, Dr. Greer brought in, he says, I know the subject's real. I don't want to know why the hell I can't gain access to it, unquote. Uh, a letter was issued afterward uh, by, uh, by, by James Wilsey that it kind of denying the whole, the whole thing happened. Okay, um, here I was involved in this, strange, strangely enough, in uh, 1993, outside of uh, Area 51, uh, a group of civilian researchers met for the first time with uh, the S-4 scientist, Robert Lazar, um, in, in a meeting that uh, these group of researchers, of which I was sitting in the front row, and which no recordings were allowed whatsoever. And I recorded the full two hours of him being hit by pretty knowledgeable people for two hours of questions, of which he, Robert Lazar has stayed over the decades absolutely consistent with his testimony. Um, and you can see that video um, at the reference at the bottom when we get to that, after we do 100 years. <laughs> um, 
okay, this freaks out the base. Area 51 goes into complete lockdown to do these civilian meetings. A classified uh, NRO, which is National Reconnaissance Office, Special Security Advisory is sent to all base personnel operations. Now, on this classified document, there's in, in normal military communications, you have what's called the distribution list. That, so it's kind of like a CC on an email <laughs> in a way. Uh, there's two elements. That one's called Cosmic Ops, Magi Ops. These were unacknowledged special access programs that were reverse engineering the extraterrestrial technology. Now, this document somehow Dr. Stephen Greer was able to acquire. And so he sets up a meeting at the Pentagon on uh, April 9th, uh, 1997. Dr. Greer is joined with Lieutenant Commander Will Miller and astronaut Dr. Edgar Mitchell to meet with the head of intelligence for the Joint Chiefs of Staff, Vice Admiral Thomas Wilson. Uh, the Admiral is asking to be read into these unacknowledged special access programs listed on this NRO document that are reverse engineering ET craft and is denied access and is threatened, the, the Admiral is threatened to immediately drop any further investigation or he would lose rank or be retired early. Now, here is the head of intelligence for the Joint Chiefs of Staff who would have constitutional legal authority, if anybody, to look into just about anything. Um, the Vice Admiral Thomas Wilson is furious that his high level of constitutional authority is being denied access to these illegal operations. He authorizes Dr. Greer to bring forth witnesses before the mainstream media of the world that are willing to testify under oath before a congressional hearing by saying, quote, as far as I'm concerned, if you can get the people who know about this matter to talk on record, let's testify under oath, you have my permission to go to the media with this. This group is illegal, quote, unquote. And so Dr. Greer actually started collecting witnesses going all the way back to 1993. Now, they didn't just collect uh, with his military advisors. They said not just to collect a dozen witnesses or so. He collected hundreds of witnesses. And on May 9th, 2001, he brings 20 witnesses in front of the main, we couldn't fit all 500, so we were 20 of them willing to go before the media of the world. Uh, and each of us state, after we give our testimony, that we're willing to testify under oath before a congressional hearing. Now it's breaking national security oaths or penalty of perjury, you know, if you're willing to testify under oath. These witnesses are backed by over 500 military intelligence witnesses. Uh, there's Sarah McClendon sitting there in the front row. Uh, you can see there's 22 cameras in the back row. The place is packed, largest event in history of national press club. Uh, and so all the reporters, mainstream media were listening to what these witnesses were revealing. What was disclosed? Well, here we go. Um, proof that our illegal government is being denied access, that these illegal unacknowledged special access programs are taking in trillions of dollars Zero-point energy solutions have been suppressed that would eliminate the need for nuclear oil and coal. We had the scientists that were willing to prove before the, and put it on the table, show it working. 
um, anti-gravity craft have been developed back in the 1950s of Mark McCandish. Uh, a base exists on the far side of the moon. That was Dr. Carl Wolf, who actually saw the, the domes, towers, mushroom-shaped buildings on the dark side of the moon. Uh, he was uh, run over on his bicycle by a truck and, and was, was killed. Um, astronauts are sworn to secrecy. What happened when we went to the moon in 1969, which is, uh, <laughs> we'll get into that. Wow. Uh, NASA is purposely obscuring the ET craft images before releasing them to the public. Um, and the uh, astronauts, you know, absolutely cannot say what happened when we went to New And this was Donna Hare, who worked for 20 years at NASA, who privately sent me a letter behind the scenes, not going over the internet, and letting me know that her life was being threatened and she had attempts against her life. She passed away... Um, just recently as well. Um, 57 different extraterrestrial species have been already categorized by the year 1989. And we know there's far more than that. But this was um, Clifford Stone, who uh, was in crash retrievals where he had a book, that different species were carbon based or silicone based and had different medical procedures, you know, and to patch them up if they were injured. Um, ET craft were shut down our nuclear ICBM bases. That was uh, Captain Robert Salas. He was the guards up topside were weapons drawn. They had a glowing red uh, craft that was uh, <sighs> shut down. All 10 nuclear tipped ICBM missiles went doo 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 doo, all shot down. Uh, the U.S. Navy is reporting spacecraft of and secret reports coming out of their oceans. Well, I know this one because that's my testimony. Um, I worked with a high-level, top-secret, crypto-level 14 extra-sensitive material handling security clearance and naval communication station in San Francisco in 1969. I received a priority message that was classified as secret from a U.S. Navy ship off the coast of Alaska. The, the sailors on board witnessed coming out of the ocean off Port Bell, a saucer that was about 70 feet in diameter that was glowing reddish-orange shot straight up into space. The radar operator on board the ship tracked the blips going over 7,000 miles per hour. This was secret classified going to the Chief of Naval Operations in Washington, D.C. Uh, that's my small contribution. You know, compared to the other witnesses, uh, this, was, this is 1969, by the way. And uh, Vrinder von Braun on his deathbed uh, said that they had future false flag events that were planned in order to move forward on their agenda with, of all things, terrorists being next. This was May of 2001. Uh, the next event would be rogue nations. Look at uh, North Korea and I Iran, then asteroids, and then a fake alien invasion. And note, this was, again, just prior to the 9-11 terrorist event. We disclosed this in May before that, and, and a whole lot more. Uh, this is just some highlights of the explosive testimonies. Now, how would you disclose all this to the public of the world with the media? Um, I, was, I was one of these top secret military witnesses that testified that day, as well as being an ex-ABC newsman. I naively, at the time, could not imagine with all the cameras, news reporters covering these explosive testimonies, how this could not be a world-changing event. Well, this is how it was not a world-changing event. 
um, how the mainstream media cover this main mainstream, uh, this uh, major disclosure event. The controlled mainstream media effectively sanitized this from the public's awareness, utilizing what's termed a, quote, limited hangout, so as not to alert the public to these illegal operations within our government. In other words, what they hung out that was safe was that we were talking about having a, having a congressional hearing on the reality of UFOs, but they, they obscured everything else. The brief coverage, like about a minute or so coverage, CNN, CBS, ABC, all those, uh, gave the public the impression that we simply wanted to have a congressional hearing on just the reality of UFOs. Sitting next to my, to my right is Commander Graham Bethune, who is actually the pilot that flew uh, Admiral Byrd down to Antarctica. And on my right is a CIA operator that worked at Area 51. Um, so it didn't get much coverage on the mainstream media, but on the internet, you know, a lot of our testimonies were came out in different languages and things. So it, it inspired different people, like my dear friend, Dr. Michael Sala, who got him fired at the university. Uh, thank God, you know, he's, he's, he's a world expert now in exopolitics. It also inspired a computer hacker in the UK, Gary McKinnon, who dis discovers the uh, US Navy's secret space program. Uh, he was inspired by these testimonies. And, you know, in the, in the computers, he finds that the, the solar warden program, he sees a huge, you know, kilometers, miles long, cigar-shaped spacecraft of the battle cruisers of the U.S. Navy's secret space program, uh, titled USSS Hillencotter, lists of uh, non-terrestrial officers, fleet-to-fleet -fleet transfers. Um, the Bush administration was so upset that the security breach revealed the Navy's secret space program. They wanted to put the poor guy away for 70 years in prison. So now we move into a new era. You know, at first when I started hearing, I was used to the old school testimonies of, you know, people who've been on, been involved with projects or have seen them or, you know, different documents and stuff. But now we run into a whole new realm of uh, understanding. In this Navy secret space program, how do they get the recruits? Uh, since the year 2000, multiple testimonies of which you've interviewed, Marilee. Uh, of surfaced of interview of individuals who were recru recruited into this program. These programs utilize extremely advanced extraterrestrial based technologies ever since the program launched back in the 1980s. Recruits serve their 20 year tour of duty in space on a separate timeline. At the end of the tour of duty, they are age and time regressed back to their point of enlistment on this timeline and their memories of service erased. After 20 years elapses on this timeline, the recruits start to have a total memory recall of their 20 years of service in the Navy's secret space program. This is why after the year 2000, you know, we start out with uh, Michael Ralph actually came out in the, uh, in the year 2000, and then many have followed since that time, where they... Uh, usually have a mill lab program. They bring them in around age five or six. And by around age 17, they, uh, they take them on a 20-year 
timeline in space. And then at the end of the tour of duties, they bring them back. And so they don't even know what happened. Like all of a sudden, a little clip in reality, maybe one couple of minutes or so. And then they go along on the Earth timeline, and all of a sudden they start having all these memories start to surface after 20 years. Um, and how they do this within the secret space program, they use, I mean, this is stuff that's thousands or millions of years in advance from advanced species. They've given these technologies or advanced holographic med beds that can perform this 20 year age regression. And they can reconstruct any part of the body as Randy Kramer has spoken, you know, how he's, he even had his head chopped off. I can't believe that. Unbelievable, you know, uh, arms or legs. And they regenerate, I mean, within hours, they, they have their arm or leg or whatever regenerated because it's based on the DNA frequency and can cure any disease. You can imagine if we have this technology on earth, the entire pharmaceutical medical system would be destroyed. <laughs> and so, uh, and it performs memory suppression. Ah, uh, so um, here's an interesting event that happened. The guardians or cedars, whatever you want to call them, back in 2014, they actually set up a, a barrier. It's like a frequency barrier it's an outer barrier around our solar system so the draco and the in the nebu um you know couldn't escape or they couldn't call in for recruits to come in from uh you know enforcements rather from outside of our galaxy they kind of uh protect this uh by these they're called sphere beings as well that uh have set up this outer barrier by October of 2020, the Artemis Accords are signed. And now this is, this is a start of the world going into a Star Trek-like future where all the different countries, here you can see you know, Japan, Australia, Italy, you know, uh, all these different countries are signing onto this. And what this is, in space, they've been using slave labor and in Antarctica, and the deep underground military bases. Uh, all these slave labor operations are not based on, on moral standards. And the Artemis Accords, in a way, it sort of sets up a, a moral guideline, which all the countries have agreed to abide by, which is a very good thing. Um, the Artemis Accords uh, between the United States and seven allied nations with the national space programs, Australia, Canada, Italy, Japan, Luxembourg, uh, United Arab Emirates, uh, United Nations. The Artemis Accords contain mutual defense provisions. If any nations experience harmful interference in their explorations of the moon, Mars, asteroids, and minor planets, this is the first step to a space NATO and eventually a future star fleet. So this is a major thing that happened. Now, in mainstream, here you have the head of the Israeli space program for 30 years. This senior, highly respected scientist basically reveals that there's a joint U.S. extraterrestrial base on Mars and that the Galactic Federation of the Worlds is basically awaiting the right time to be revealed to Earth. Uh, uh, Professor Haram Eshed, um, if I'm pronouncing correctly, 
uh, senior scientist who for nearly 30 years head of Israeli's space security program has revealed secret U.S. extraterrestrial agreements, a joint U.S. extraterrestrial base on Mars, and how a galactic federation is closely monitoring human affairs. Major media around the world is covering Professor Ashad's revelations. He further declared that President Trump was on the verge of extraterrestrial disclosure, but was told to hold back by the Galactic Federation, since we weren't at the right level of technological development. Apparently, the Space Force was created to help speed up humanity's technology base. And I believe that. I believe that the creation of the Space Force was to bring in these advanced technologies that you can imagine, you know, the U.S. Navy's Solar Warden program was, was launched back in the 1980s. And we've had these kilometers long spacecraft with anti-gravity that's protecting our solar system. And well, how, <laughs> when the people of Earth are being fed science fiction movies, while the real thing is happening behind the scenes. So we'll move forward onto, um, onto present day. Now, we have, besides the stretch <laughs> that people have to imagine about uh, the secret space programs and the 20 and back program where they have, you know, age and time reverse these uh, recruits, um, now we have an additional source of information that's seeming to be continually uh, corroborate it with other events and other witnesses uh, such from uh, emissary from the Galactic Federation of World who, it, for the Galactic Federation of World, Elena Danan, who um, because of the uh, because of the Nibu, she was abducted. They she was rescued by the Galactic Federations of World by uh, her contact Thorham. And they, they repurpose the uh, implant for, as a communication device. So she, this is not channeled information. This is, um, I'll do a little more description on this. And you can please fill in. Yeah, it's a direct communications. And um, uh, the regressive ETs often will put an implant in. And so many soldiers have implants, both beneficial for tracking and health and also control. In this case, it was very controlled. And when they insert it in, you can't remove it without killing the person. So, so Myra, who is an amazing um, hybrid uh, series B and I think uh, hybrid, she's brilliant. She's a biogeneticist as uh, a member of the Galactic Federation of Worlds according to Elena Danan, was on the team with Thorhan and his bud. And Thorhan demanded from Myra, because uh, I think it was a little edgy on breaking rules, and she figured out a way that she couldn't remove it without Elena as a little girl dying, but she figured out a way of retuning the frequency so that they couldn't be tracked by the Naboo, which would have happened at any second, to the Galactic Federation frequency. So it's not channeling. Now she has direct visual and uh, repurposed implant, so direct communication with the Galactic uh, Federation and in real time. So it's 
I mean, it's not an easy thing to go through, but it's a very positive outcome. Yeah, it's a really good description. Um, uh, she keeps having more elements, you know, with other witnesses, you know, corroborating mm-hmm. the information that is being given to her from Thorhan, who is part of the Galactic Federation of Worlds. And this is like a whole new dynamic. This isn't like channeled information. This is, this is yes. completely, completely different. And so I just, yes. we, we just need the, needed to clarify, clarify that. Clarify that, exactly. So these dates, uh, in February of last year, uh, the Galactic Federation, uh, we'll find out that as we move forward a little bit further on the timeline, that the prime directive that was revealed in Star Trek is a very real thing. And because an advanced uh, stage three civilization interfered with a stage two civilization, which we are, um, they interfered with the um, natural evolution of our civilization. And therefore it became the duty of the uh, Galactic Federation of Worlds to come in and intervene and remove the uh, both the Nibu uh, from the Orion group and the uh, Draco reptilians uh, from our solar system so that Earth can move forward on, a, on its own timeline without the interference of these uh, extraterrestrials and so what they did in february last year is they liberated the moon uh lena denan says the moon is liberated from the nebu and the dark fleet the dark fleet is the third reich's craft that they entered into an alliance with the draco uh by the earth alliance and the galactic federation so work the galactic federation was working with there is an earth alliance of of earth humans that are working in uh, together with the Galactic Federation of the Worlds. And that, okay. that, Dan, is a really important point because in order to stay, even though I think they've adjusted the prime directive a little bit for our unusual case of extreme infiltration, it's still uh, walking a fine line and you have to have the humans this is considered a human planet. You have to have the humans stand up, grow up, get you know, get involved, and do the actual engineering, participate in the in all of that. So the Galactic Federation encouraged different secret space forces and different humans to come together and form the Earth Alliance, thereby. Then if the Earth Alliance itself is getting up to speed and the humans are doing it themselves, the Galactic Federation is not disobeying laws of over-intervention. Now, the sneaky way that the Dracos, Nibirus, I mean, not Nibirus, but the Dracos and the Nibu and all, what they, they love to do is work the loopholes, just like the Cabal does. This is the regressives. The regressives weren't disobeying galactic law because they had slaves, human slaves, do the engineering for them. (laughs) And since the slaves were building this stuff, this was like the tenuous loophole they used. Oh, we're we're not doing it, they're doing it. You know, who cares if they're slaves, right? 
So it's just amazing. This is why it's really important to know kind of, you know, the, the cosmic law, the galactic laws and all of that, because then you can see the workings and use your discernment and not be manipulated as easily. So anyway, that's enough of that, but. Well, well, that's a very important point. You know, it, it, yeah. it was quite refreshing to me to know uh, two things. One, that uh, there is a directive out there that is based on on moral principles that to establish balance and peace throughout the galaxy. And the fact that the more advanced uh, species of, you know, the, the collective, the Nordics and so forth, they have militarily far superior technology than the more regressive extraterrestrials like the, the Nibu and the, and the, and the Draco, the, the Sakara Empire. And so, as Elena has expressed many times, that they're not here to save us. They're here, they're here to follow the, the prime directive in order to bring balance in it. It's up to us to save ourselves. Now that they've removed the extraterrestrial component, that now what we have to deal with is the earth minions that are that yes. work with they no longer have the advantage of working with these regressive ets they're out of the picture now and so um that's what we're dealing right. with right now and apparently the nibu they said a lot of uh, little <laughs> you know time reaction bombs that are going off right now and creating havoc all over the place but mm-hmm. uh, but we will we will move through yeah it's this. not what mainstream is telling you but anyway it's a much much uh deeper and the other thing folks um you know i keep trying to train myself in in non-polarizing and greater compassion and so i've studied the growth history of multiple species throughout the galaxy and just like we've had if you want to really simplify it you could describe our growth in kind of like three eras you know one is like where we're a childlike kind of culture so these cultures now the Pleiadians and fifth density and the dramas and stuff yes they're older cultures in a sense but they also had a young culture and in the young culture Mm -hmm. they didn't always do the wisest things they came in you know and if we were like really primitive humanity at the time on earth uh we look at them as gods yeah, right? yeah. And so then a lot of re- religions have, have exactly routed out of uh, extraterrestrial interaction in the past. Absolutely. Exactly. Un- amazing proof of that all over in archaeology and everything else. So now the Pleiadians are in an advanced growth state in their life. Plus, the Galactic Federation is coming from 300 and some odd years in the future back to assist us. So we are at a major transition point of moving from kind of major teen, yeah like kind of teenagers to young adults you know or young adults and so that's why many groups now are being much more cautious than they were hundreds of thousands of years ago when we had an interaction with them to not interfere to empower the natives of the particular planet so that that those natives like humans on earth do not give their power away put them as gods and then you know all kinds of different things resolve out of that so we're back around in this spiral and the humans on earth 
which is also called Terra, that's the galactic name for it, need to grow up, wake up and stand up and say enough and mature. So it's an amazing time. It's very exciting. But I just wanted to say that point. Because oh, that's important. It's tr- The truth is we're all exactly equal yes. uh, spiritually. Yes. Uh, just some are like, you know, thousands or millions of years more technologically advanced than us yeah. and, uh, understanding who they are and understanding what reality is and 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 so forth which we could uh, greatly benefit from so here we go back to the timeline okay um <laughs> mars now uh the first raids on mars and liberation from the dark fleet the dark fleet is the third reich that, that entered it, as we mentioned, with the uh, with the Draco. And then it announces the first raids on Mars and liberation from the Dark Fleet, Dark Secret Space Program, and other dark programs and corporates. The Galactic Federation have been equipping, equipping and training the local Martians to win back their world, same as they did on Earth. Great progression on Earth in the clearing of the dumbs like and and diego garcia diego garcia is like an island out in the middle of the indian ocean where they they uh tony rodriguez uh he, he talks about you know when he was working with the dark fleet and they were supplying cargoes going back you can't see anything it's like out in the middle of nowhere um okay onward. it's a, a hellhole there yeah i won't get into that but so this makes the point again the Galactic Federation is able to assist, but what they're more concerned with is how to empower the local Martians, which were both a reptilian and a, um, a native reptilian and a secondary species, and to then fight themselves, stand up themselves, and all of that. That's the fine line, <laughs> like to get rid of the savior complex we need to stop looking for saviors and we need to start empowering ourselves and standing forward. So that's the fine line there. That's also why they helped and they equipped them, but then the local Martians had to be willing to fight themselves. When we stand up ourselves, then we will not give our power away to anyone else or put anyone else on a pedestal. Then we can as equal adults request from a benevolent when we're sure it's benevolent et race like the pleiadians which are in our genetics and our cousins then we can request yeah, for us <laughs> yeah we can request for assistance but not to be saved and not to do our work for us and right. not to do that then then we've just flunked we've just flunked the whole game so yeah, they, they didn't come in to help the Native Americans in North America when the Europeans come in to, to, you know, exactly. to do what they did because they, the Europeans weren't extraterrestrials. They were Terrans, you know, people of Earth. So, but when you have uh, extraterrestrials come in, that's a different story altogether. And there yeah. the prime directive kicks in. Yes. Okay, back to our timeline. Okay, so Mars is liberated now. Our solar system, bit by bit, is being liberated. Now, my uh, friend Mike McCandish was going to testify at this. Uh, interesting, he uh, committed suicide one week after uh, Mike Tuber, Air Force intelligence specialist, said that 
two years prior, he said that the Tic Tac that everybody's aware of and so it's saturated all over the media, um, back starting back in 2017, is nothing more than craft that was made in Lockheed facility that can go 24,000 miles per hour, 500 miles per hour under the ocean. And then one week before um, Mark was suicided, I guess you would say, he came out with a video and saying, I just made this whole story up. I didn't, there's nothing to it. And what both of their testimonies, and Mark McCandish was the one that revealed the, as we went earlier, the alien reproduction vehicles, in other words, the faster and light craft were made back in 1950s. Both of these testimonies, they they show that we had advanced technologies that could perform this way. But in the UAP report, it says uh, some UAP, they call it uh, another name for UFO, is unidentified aerial phenomena. Um, uh, some observations could be attributed to developments in classified U.S. programs. We were unable to confirm, however, that these systems accounted for any UAP reports, and they know darn well it is. So they're, they're feeding a big nothing burger here to the public. Um, now, now this is the Earth Alliance. This isn't the uh, Galactic Federation of Worlds. The Earth Alliance that's been assisted by the Galactic Federation has now liberated the Dark Fleet uh, from Antarctica. And Elena Denan says, liberation of Antarctica from the Dark Fleet by the Earth Alliance. And now the war on Mars, the Galactic Federation has won. And now this is something I have a lot of experience in, researching the history of the media and everything. Every year since going all the way back to 1983, 1983, every year in Sun Valley, Idaho, they bring in all the mainstream media, big tech, all the names that you know. Uh, the history of this, they started their meetings back in 1983 when there was 50 media corporations. Over the years, they have consolidated the control down to only six corporations that control everything you see and hear. Um, and who do they bring in, you know, <laughs> uh, you know, Bill Gates and Biden's pick for the director, who's very China friendly. Uh, and they bring in, look at the list of people that are bringing on this highly top secret meeting that they don't want the public to know about. They bring in people like Facebook, Twitter, Google, Apple, Council of Foreign Relations, Comcast, Disney, Viacom, Time Warner Media, CBS, New York Times, CNN, ABC, NBC, CNBC, Bloomberg News, CNN Host, New Yorker, Financial Times, Microsoft, Netflix, Sony. Uh, you've got some senators, you've got uh, the head of the Yale University, uh, University of Chicago, Georgetown. I mean, what do these people have to do with the control of the media? There is like a concerted effort to move forward on a narrative that is set. And, you know, this goes all the way back to 1950 Operation Mockingbird. Still in control of big media and big tech. Okay, uh, now, 
This is an amazing development. In July 17th, 2021, there are secret meetings near Jupiter uh, decide the future of the solar system. Uh, these meetings just concluded near the planet Jupiter to discuss the new order in our solar system that will emerge with the impending military collapse of the dark fleet and its draconian Orion deep state and corporate allies. The Galactic Federation of Worlds met recently with the representatives of Earth's Alliance and the Alliance of Secret Space Programs in a set of 12 meetings to discuss the new order in our solar system. So this is, this is one of the first steps to taking back control of our solar system from these dark elements. And the Galactic Federation has now it cleared out uh, not only Mars, but Phobos is a moon of Mars and Deimos and Cirrus, which uh, my, my good friend uh, Tony Rodriguez uh, served, I think, what, 13 years or, you know, more, more than that. Um, and he was uh, amazing, amazing testimony. And he's one secret space program out of many that actually had part of his 20 years of, uh, of service partially here on Earth and was able to substantiate a lot of things that came up for him on his memories. Uh, in September of 2021, most of the underground uh, occupation by the regressive ETs, the, the Draco and the Nibu Greys, have been cleared out of these. Uh, Elena Denan says, quote, most undergrounds are cleared from the regressive ETs occupation. And so there's a lot of uh, nefarious things going on deep underground our feet, under our feet. Okay, here's something to go more into detail. Uh, my good friend, Dr. Michael Sala, exopolitics.org, highly recommend his site to go into greater details on some of these elements that happen through history. The prime directive is not just something that was made up in Star Trek. It's, uh, it's revealed, uh, Elena Denan, through uh, her communication contact of the Galactic Federation, Thorhan, um, gave Dr. Michael Sala, uh, this is an illustration by Elena Denan of, uh, of Thorhan. This is Elena. And uh, these elements were given in the Star Trek series. And part of this is there's a different level of, of development stages. Stage one, developing life, life forms. I imagine that's like, you know, amoeba and, and so forth, you know. Stage two, that's us, uh, except we're, we're part stage two and stage three. Uh, primary life forms organized in a structured society having developed spiritual concepts. Uh, we are stage two, but hidden the secret space program, uh, interstellar culture having reached interstellar capacity and made contact by its own process with other galactic civilizations. Uh, and so what happened was the Draco, which was a stage three, interacted with stage two, with, such as the SS that were given these advanced technologies that were able to have a two-decade advance over the United States and 
it affected affected the timeline com completely. The prime directive, um, some of the most notable parts of the prime directive is um, uh, it is not permitted to make contact or to interfere with the lesser evolved races un unless they are threatened by an outside force. In that case, it is the moral obligation of the personnel of the Galactic Federation of Worlds to evaluate the situation and determine the most suitable course of action. And the other part is federal, Federation personnel may not violate this prime directive unless they are acting to right an earlier violation, which is what we had, or an accidental contamination of said culture. You know, you remember in Star Trek where they, they the prime directive where they would be viewing a lesser evolved race and they couldn't interact with them. So because they didn't want to affect the evolution of that, that culture, all this was been put out in science fiction. This directive takes precedence over any and all other considerations and carries with it the highest moral obligation. And so that's why the galactic federation of worlds has uh, come in. Now, Dr. Michael Sala did some amazing, he, he does incredible in-depth vetting and research and documenting on this. He found, just happened to find this book that Elena had no idea about. It was called The Federation. It was basically a science fiction book. And he compares, now, the Star Trek, this information was given through the Office of Naval Intelligence from the Galactic Federation of Worlds. And look at the comparison of the wording between what was in the science fiction book that was given through Office of Naval Intelligence for the series of Star Trek and the actual prime directive. You can see it's almost word for word, but like I say, it says, uh, worlds may interfere with the normal autonomous and healthy development of native life and society and culture. And it says, may interfere with the normal, you know, the, the highlight, I won't read all this, but the highlighted areas are almost exact word for word of the prime directive. Um, now, how did this all come about? Now, according to Alex Collier, which you've interviewed Merrily uh, a number of times. Um, the Andromedans, they have this temporal viewing technology that can see into the future. And they saw 357 years in the future, a, a galactic-wide tyranny happening. And they were able to isolate it. You know, the, the galaxy is huge. <laughs> and in the entire galaxy, they were able to isolate it down to our little solar system. And especially the Earth, Moon, and Mars. And so uh, this, from the Andromedan Council, notified the Galactic Federation of Worlds that this this disruption of the timeline needed to be corrected. And so that is why the Galactic Federation of Worlds intervened, is what my understanding is how this initially uh, launched. Thank God, you know, for their temporal viewing software, <laughs> you know, or else we'd be on a negative timeline of complete tyranny and everybody would be enslaved throughout the galaxy. 
Exactly. And another thing in a private with Alex, um, I said, so did it start? Did the did it show that the tyranny started in Earth, Moon and Mars? And he said, yes, but it actually had seeped into the fifth density reality. So I went, oh, my God. So talk about now they have a reason. <laughs> right. Like it's easy to ignore a lesser density in a certain way and now go it's in about your own backyard. Business. Right. When it starts going in your own backyard and you and I both know through the quantum fields that everything's connected, you know, as we go up to fifth density, all the other ones go up to their neck. So that got their attention too. So I didn't know that previously before the private with Alex, where he he went, actually it was seeping into the fifth density. So it got everybody's attention also. Everything is interconnected. The technology they have that they can look at and they look at our planet and they can see collectively how we are evolving consciously uh, i mean it's yes it's yeah. hard to hard to imagine for most people who've been brought it in the uh, generation generational indoctrination on this planet yeah. okay you and i connect it <laughs> because oh, that's the, the story the show you did and it, it's so important what what alex is saying here about how these holographic medbed technologies work I'd, I'd like to, it's only like three minutes or so i'd like to play that uh and i think him describing it in his own words uh, is is best and here we go let's just start it off um the medbeds is a holographic technology it's also color light and sound this technology this knowledge has been around since before atlantis on this planet and it has existed off-world for tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands, possibly millions of years, with other with uh, other star nations and star traveling um, pioneers. Mm -hmm. They understood a very, very long time ago that our bodies are holographic, that we are essentially made of color, light, and sound. And it wasn't until, I don't know, 25, 30 years ago that we were able to scientifically prove that by looking at the body under an electron microscope. And what they did not see was physicality. What they saw was light. Now, Nikola Tesla had talked about all these types of different technologies uh, or concepts that he knew to be true simply because he was a genius, but of course he was having contact um, in his own way as well during his lifetime. But he was just the genius. And I don't know that there's been anyone like him since. But the technology wasn't there for him to actually put all of this together to where it is today. Unfortunately, he didn't live long enough. So, um, essentially, what we're talking about here is healing the human body. Now, the holographic camera that the A's use, it's, they call it a camera. What it does is it takes a picture of your body. And this picture, because it's holographic, um, is a picture of the present time when the picture is being taken, and it goes all the way back to conception. And what they do is 
they will go through these series of slides that are taken in this one picture. And what they will do is they will pull out the particular slides of where your body was the healthiest, whether it's kidneys, liver, muscle, knees, brain, heart, it doesn't matter. And what they will do is they will put those pictures together and create a, a new hologram. And then what they will do is they will overlay that holographic picture onto your physical body, literally healing it and renewing your body while you're there. I, I, it's just, there are no words. And to them, it's simple because they understand. They, they have all the knowledge. Nothing's been suppressed for them, and they understand who we are and what we are. Here on Earth, however, and in other star systems that have been controlled and manipulated by the Orion Group, we haven't had that education or that knowledge. But nonetheless, this technology is coming out. This technology has been created. Uh, it is in use, I'm sure, in Black Prague projects. I am sure that uh, it has been used on humanity, humans of some sort, maybe the elite. Uh, we hear that it's being used on the children that are pulled from the underground dumps. We can sincerely hope that that is, in fact, true because they certainly would deserve it. Uh, it should have been being used on veterans, combat, wounded, uh, civilians damaged by war. It, it, it should have been in use for quite some time now, but it hasn't been. It has been suppressed. And as you are fully aware, there's a battle between the light and the dark. Now this video that you uh, did with Alex was what connected you and I merely because when I heard Alex talking about this holographic camera that the, he calls the A's, which is Andromedans, how it worked and how it was able to capture a, a holographic image and then be able to go through time and reassemble and holographically project onto the body and heal it, I immediately thought of the work I did with Dr. Marcel Vogel, which is IBM's top scientist on a project I did in a laboratory we set up with a actual camera that could do that, that would take and holographically project an image based on the DNA and be able to tune through time. And we'll go into that on, um, on part two. So... <laughs> Well, that's kind of key. It's it's good to understand how these technologies work. Yes, they we we can prove that there is technology here on Earth that has substantiated, primitive as it may be, but still substantiate what Alex was was claiming. Exactly. So we are here just at the end of our hundred years um, on the timeline, and so in October of 2021 last year, a huge fleet of the Intergalactic Confederation arrived. And as they arrived, they initially had these arcs is what they're called. They're like depositories of vast knowledge and whatever else they are all throughout in different places on our earth and deep under the oceans on the moon and so forth 
because they sensed their arrival, um, they have activated, and this is this is this is amazing. Um, Galactic Federation of Worlds Commander Thorhan Yidron, pronouncing his name right, uh, communicated directly to their emissary, French archaeologist Alina Denan, about these huge spacecraft arcs that are located at multiple locations on Earth and the Moon. They are activating due to the recent arrival of a large fleet of spacecraft belonging to the Intergalactic Confederation and the founders, Cedars, that are presently parked in the vicinity of Jupiter and its moon Ganymede. And Elena Denan said, quote, when the Galactic Federation, Confederation rather, arrived in our star system, the ancient arcs activated. The disclosure project is set up. The Earth Alliance will disclose data following a precise plan. And the good extraterrestrials will show more ships in our skies, prepare civilians for contact. Now, this that's pretty exciting. Um, yeah, Dan, let, let me add a little segue here. Um, so I believe that, uh, well, everything's frequencies and everything's corrected. So these are the reg original seeders and founders, according to Elena, who set up dimensions, who set up you know, aspects and I believe templates and blueprint prints for the uh, different species. So what I've noticed in all my years of research, especially talking to soldiers or witnesses, usually, you know, secret soldiers, is that there comes a time where they capture a ship and um, you, when you try to penetrate it, and this also happened in the arcs in Antarctica that just showed up. When you try to penetrate it, it won't let you in. Sometimes it'll kill you. Sometimes it will put a uh, border there. This also happened in the Romanian pyramids that I did a, a whole show on, what was discovered under there. But basically what it appears bottom line is your DNA and your soul frequency has to match that ship. Mm has to match that whatever. So when I visited um, a super soldier and he was talking about a ship that came from the future and I have to be careful what I say here. And he was the only one that wasn't getting killed when he walked up and touched it. And I said, that means it has to be your ship from the future. And that ship was grown with your DNA. Okay, so there's this whole advanced assisted consciousness thing happening. So to me, all these arcs activating, they probably, you know, are from their civilization. And so that was the code uh, that, and the big one in Atlantic Ocean, according to Thorhan, uh, is I think totally connected to the Bermuda Triangle issue. And that, that one's evidently one of the biggest ones, but it's a very, very exciting very exciting. Well, what's amazing is Elena Danan gave the report to Dr. Michael Sell that Thorhan was saying that there are going, there's a huge one, the biggest one, I think, in the Atlantic Ocean in the Bermuda Triangle before um, his other contact, uh, JP, just, you know, gave, gave testimony that he went to that. Uh, yeah. 
you know, yes. so, you know, here, here again is another corroboration. Yeah. Um, and this is the whole thing with DNA resonance is, you know, other witnesses we've interviewed, you know, such as Emory Smith, he's talking right. about how he had to have part of his DNA with the craft in order to know it or to interact with it. So yes. it's all DNA resonance. Is, is, and it, it's, it's why I know Emory well. It's why they would give these poor guys nonstop ET serums, right? But they, they got better at it because eventually you kind of go nuts out, but they got better at it by putting a pace. And he was a surgeon working on different ET parts of bodies from, you know, whatever. And again, the other key thing that is hardly, I've only heard from him, is he said, um, not only from Alex and other people, do we know that we have ET genetics in us, and everyone's unique with how much and what they have in each lifetime. But he found, and I think he said 98% of the bodies and parts and animal parts that he, you know, whatever worked on that obviously weren't from here, even though he wasn't told that they all had human DNA also. So the whole thing is two of the major traded things is DNA. And um, arcs, if you think of arcs, arcs contain their entire huge motherships that contain literally the DNA since creation found in all the explorations, right? And if you're going to if you're going to create like hybrid races, why would you do that? So you develop the stronger races that accommodate particular echo uh, and biological necessities of any particular planet. So DNA is a huge thing. The other thing I learned from Simon Parks a long time ago was uh, that um, this was an interesting little side, side note that he said one of the reasons the reptilians are so anxious to get DNA from humans is it appears that because of who we are in our genetics and humans, of course, are much older than most people realize um, that we can fly because you fly with your DNA. He says your mind isn't fast enough to fly on the really, really advanced ones where you're going four to five times light speed. He said you fly with your DNA. OK, especially if the advanced ship has been grown with your DNA, then it's like being with a right, a friendly dog and your whatever. So he said, according to him, Simon Parks, he said the reps only go to are able to go two to three times the speed of light because of their DNA, which is more ancient, but also in some ways more limited. And so um, and that's why they're very interested in human DNA and human pilots. So that's a little segue. <laughs> yeah, I understand. We're, we're, we're kind of collection of uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. two or whatever we're the, different we're the uh, species. We're, we're like a sort of a prize uh, <laughs> combination. We're the treasure uh, hunt. Yeah. So that's why um, that has always been really important. And of course, tech. Those two things, you know. Yeah. Okay, go ahead, love. Okay, here we go. Okay, so the uh, Galactic Confederation has arrived and the ARCs, <laughs> part of their families are being activated. Now, this is very exciting news um, and near the very end of our timeline. In December of last year, basically in the um, July 
meeting by Jupiter, they basically gave the, uh, uh, well, I'll read this here. On December 16th, the Draco and Orion groups have finished being removed from our planet and interfering in the, and interfering. In the July Jupiter meetings, the cabal leaders were given five months. In other words, from July to December is five months. So that time is now in December. The surrender agreement required the deep state cabal to be banished forever to a prison planet in another galaxy through a portal in Antarctica. But first, that the cabal would have to assist in the banking transition for the people of Terra, Earth, and the disconnecting from their old control system into a new system, which will release advanced energy and medical technologies and much more. This transition needs to be smooth and avoid the chaos and disruption that could occur otherwise for the people of Terra. The cabal practitioners of the dark arts would be required to give up the code and keys to personally unlock the spells placed on the planet by their secret societies. Now, what they're referring to is, you know, you have, you know, the Freemasons and Knights of Malta, Skull and Bones, you know, you have all these different secret societies that have uh, worked with the Cabal and they use, uh, they use the dark arts as uh, the SS did with Heinrich Himmler and the Wellsburg Castle in order to move forward on their, their agenda. And these spells and things are like cast in a, hard to put it into words, into like another dimension that influences the third dimension here on earth. And the ones that create these spells are the only ones that can release the spells because there are certain codes and keys that uh, allow this. So it's, it's just another component of what has to happen from the transition from our hijacked planet, so to speak, that, you know, they've controlled our, our, our banking, financial institutions, the whole money system, everything the medical system, uh, everything is, is going to be revamped. But in order, you can't just go, you know, from black and white, you know, to one to another. It, it needs to be a gentle transition so it's not too much of a shock to our civilization. But just imagine, you know, if we had the, the pharmaceutical industries, medical system that's for profit, would all be completely replaced with these uh, advanced med beds we wouldn't need we can recycle all this all the uh internal combustion engines and the cables and the power distribution lines over every house and business can have a little box that gives multiple kilowatts of power the oceans could be cleaned up the whole planet could be cleaned up and a lot less stress for everybody i yes. mean this could be uh just it could an evolution it won't happen overnight but it could be an evolution to yes. a beautiful paradise here on earth and so yes uh, we are we are at the end of our 100 year events that have led us to uh our ongoing liberation here at planet earth oh. um, 
all the documents and witness testimonies and everything. Don't believe anything you see. Do your own due diligence. The references, supported documentations on my non-professional side is just my notes I've been taking down at thewebmatrix.net. And where else can they contact you? Any other? Nope, that's it. That's my it. Email's that's the best there. place to contact you. And Facebook and maybe true social <laughs> going and you know everything everything's there for contact information and uh my god you know we went through 100 years uh Marley, and, uh, <laughs> and thank a, you for it your it was a fun journey with you oh oh thank you for all your hard work dedication and most would know this that to synthesize massive amounts of information and put it in a succinct chronological way is a skill beyond skill. And it's just such a joy to work with you on every single level. And I'm really excited about part two. Now, this is a huge gift presented by Dan to save you tons of time. And as we move into part two, I'm going to have Dan share a brief history of suppressed technologies, which we all love and can't wait to come out that we know were hijacked from public access, as well as sharing some personal experience that he has had in his life when his own awareness was expanded and took a, an expansive leap. One of the things I enjoy the most about you, Dan, is that you are one of the most balanced, equal, right brain, left brain, logical, pragmatic, and respectfully open, and curious and expansive. In other words, you're a true scientist. And I have never worked with someone so generous of heart in all ways. So I want to thank you <laughs> so much. And I really look forward to part two. Until then, folks, thanks for being curious. Thanks for caring about learning about the truth so that we can all increase awareness and discernment on this planet. And until next time, onward and upward, take care. <laughs>